Some people don't want to ask questions sometimes too. And I maybe ask too many questions <laughs> at times I feel just figuring out, you know, what, what can I do better? And so I, I think that that's a big thing of just constantly wanting to better yourself, um, asking those questions and then being able to, you know, not, you know, just be able to do what you're doing from a surface, but understand everything that you're doing. I think that that helps to show to your superiors that you can, you know, transfer those skills to different clients and not just be looking at what you did prior year and what you can look at the current year and say, you know, Hey, what's different about this year that wasn't last year. And like, what do we have versus trying to just throw stuff up to have be reviewed that looks like last year when there's, you know, lots of things changing, like with our tax code and, and everything else that's happening. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. Today's guest is Payson Maydew. Payson was a world-ranked decathlete while in college, and he's currently a senior tax accountant for Deloitte & Touche, the number one of the big four. Payson's going to talk about what is accounting, what skills you need for accounting, and in his definition of excellence, he's going to talk about all the adversity that he faced and how that made him even better. He echoes Mike Cato's comments on hanging around with people that lift you up. If you're looking to get in touch with Payson after the show, you can find him at LinkedIn, Payson Maydew, or at Maydew Gaming. We are very excited to talk to Payson today. Welcome to the show, Payson Maydew. And Payson, welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, thank you for coming. And uh, as I always start off this podcast, everybody wants to know, what is your definition of excellence? Yeah. So when I, when I was giving this question some thought, um, I think that my definition of excellence has maybe changed a little bit over the course of my life so far. Um, I think currently excellence, I kind of define it in two different realms. I think one realm is just, you know, using your given talents and abilities to not only better yourself, but better the people around you and kind of a servant leadership style. And so I think that using those talents to the best of your abilities help define your own personal excellence. I think the second aspect of that, at least in my own personal life, is how you deal with adversity. So I think that both of those combined kind of help to, to tackle what at least I view as, as what uh, defines excellence. What do you mean by how you tackle adversity? Sure. So I think I've always been a big proponent on having a positive mindset um, through no matter what stuff comes your way. And I think one of the cool visuals that I've seen, uh, it was in a book called uh, Lifestyle Discipleship, and that's by uh, Jim Peterson. And uh, he, he basically views it as there's two separate ways to you know, respond to adversity in your life. You, know, you can either flee from it or you can embrace it. And so I think that there's two questions that kind of boil down with both of those. So fleeing, you know, I think that most of the time that's associated with, you know, why is this thing happening to me versus 
on the embracing side, you know, asking yourself, you know, what, what can I learn from this challenge, this adversity that happened? And so I think that, you know, a lot of times adversity can leave people with, you know, anger, bitterness, doubt in themselves, um, you know, being a victim. And so, um, while those things can happen in general mourning of whatever, whatever adversity happens to you, um, I think that bouncing back from that and trying to figure out, you know, what can I learn from this is big. And I think that also can help with your, your mental health as well. And so, you know, taking that and going, you know, what can I learn from this? You know, what kind of faith can I put in to know that this happened for a reason and bounding from there and how that's going to shape your life and give you direction on what you're going to do next. You know, whether you're going to take that as a positive thing, whether or not it's a good, or, I mean, it could be a very bad thing that happened, but I mean, just being able to bounce back from that and learn from it and let that, you know, positively affect you going on. So, so is it the lessons, the, uh, the takeaway, the uh, deliverable from whatever you're uh, recovering from the adversity that leads to you being excellent? Right. That's, that's what I think, at least personally, the direction that it takes you. So you, you cannot be excellent if you have not struggled with adversity? I think that you can be excellent. I think that people struggle with different, I mean, adversity doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be challenges. It could be um, situations that you're put in. And so I think that everybody has some kind of adversity that happens every once in a while. I, I think that it doesn't necessarily have to define all of your excellence, but I think that adversity can help build upon your own excellence. Yeah, that's how you learn. And so it's your talents uh, working towards bettering yourself, taking your adversity to work towards bettering yourself and bringing others up with you at the same time. Exactly, yes. Okay, different than what we've heard before, but that's why I like to ask the question. Well, I'm going to take you back in time to before uh, when you had that definition and maybe take you back in time to before you were excellent. Now, I know currently you're a senior accountant for Deloitte & Touche. A lot of people want to get that job. A lot of people want to figure out what that job's all about. But before you get there, you got to run through high school. Sure. What was life like in high school for you? How'd you see yourself? How'd you find your path? Sure. So I was always one. I, I love to be involved with lots of different things. Um, I really enjoyed the social aspect of high school and making friends. And so I tried lots of different things. I mean, I, I uh, was not only in sports. Um, I was a three-sport athlete. I also did, I did track basketball and football in high school. I did do some swimming competitively over the summers in high school as well. But, you know, I was also in a lot of other clubs like band, choir, National Honor Society. I was our student council president for our school. Um, I did, you know, some other fun stuff. I was in our uh, our theater. I, I did our theater productions. Um, did some of the oh, they call it forensics, and so I did some like competitive poetry acting. Was in youth group. I just I did a lot of things in high school to kind of figure out you know what I was good at, what kind of direction I wanted to go, and so for me that was you know trying a lot of different things building lots of friendships and stuff. Um, I was also active, you know, in the church growing up, I, I helped, I led a band. We had our own rock band. Um, we also had a worship band. It was, it was fun. So, you know, I, uh, as I was going through as what I would view myself as, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure people thought I was a do it all <laughs> and stuff growing up. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It sounds like you were a do it <laughs> all. Much. I'm wondering what club or association you didn't belong. Sure. To. Yeah. I, 
it's hard to think back. I know there was some that I wasn't involved with, but but uh, it was just you know balancing time. I enjoyed staying busy. School, education wise, didn't wasn't didn't really come with many challenges. I guess I, I school came pretty naturally for me from from an educational standpoint, and so I didn't ever feel like in that aspect I had to try too hard. So so I did feel like I had you know time outside, um, and I did balance sports around some of those clubs too. You know, I had to balance. You know, we had games or meets and stuff. But I was always kind of a big proponent on time management. And that was something that came naturally. I think that did just help a lot um, in general. So I think that just trying a lot of the different things that I either didn't know how to do or wanted to try to learn, I think that kind of helped to develop my path of of what, you know, I really wanted to use to define myself. Um, but, you know, my family were my, my mom and dad were both division one athletes. They, they played sports at Kansas state university. And so sports were always pretty much the biggest part of growing up. And so we did lots of traveling sports. And so that was kind of my path that I kind of took up for sure as kind of the biggest portion of, of what I was accomplishing in high school. Okay. So, well, that's quite a bit. And I, I assume time management was incredibly important. And I'll probably come back to the time management a little bit later. I know a lot of people want to hear about how you figured that out. Where did you see yourself uh, going after high school? What did you think you were going to do for a living? What What did you think life was going to be? I knew in high school, I, I had my eyes set on uh, doing sports in college. So that was kind of the first step that I, I wanted to do a collegiate sport. It, it didn't really happen until like, you know, my junior, senior year of, of high school that I wanted to go into track to, to do in college. But um, I always wanted to, you know, my dad was always on me to, you know, practice the, the sports that I was doing and, you know, really try to be the best that I could be. And so, you know, sports were always kind of the forefront of what I wanted to do next step out of high school. As far as careers, because I was pretty heavily involved in music um, and in our worship group and stuff and, you know, in youth group, I, I always kind of had the idea of either potentially going into music business um, or even worship arts and stuff. So that was, that was kind of the first two things that kind of creeped into my mind as I um, was going through high school and stuff, but, but, you know, yeah, sports were, you know, trying to be the best at that was kind of a big one. And what sport were you doing? I did, I did track in college. So I, I did the decathlon, um, was what I did. And they, they don't have that in high school, but I was able to do that through summer track and, and stuff as well. AAU, USATF. So it was, you know, one of those things where obviously in high school, I like to try a little bit of everything. And that was kind of the decathlon. It's, it's 10 track events and, you know, you're doing all these different track events and, getting a total score from how well you perform in all 10 of those events. And so I think it matched up pretty well with my, uh, <laughs> with my lifestyle that I was living. Yeah. I think uh, it all makes sense. Now I hear your, uh, your high school life and you belong to everything. And I remember when you worked at college works, you were doing the decathlon, you were, uh, like a nationally ranked and very high ranked decathlete, I believe looking to get into the Olympics and you were in college and you were doing a pretty tough internship, the College Works internship. Yep. So you had a lot on your plate. Let's get back to that time management. How were you able to compete globally? And I believe you went to South America once too with the decathlon, didn't you? That that was a goal. I I just missed I just missed that that meet. That was my yeah, I was after my freshman year. We were we got a passport rushed and stuff to try to get ready and and uh, my, my body was pretty destroyed from all the decathlons I had to do to, to kind of <laughs> make it into the national championships and stuff, just learning that that first year. So didn't quite make it, but was close. 
Isn't it funny how your memory works? Go with the old guy memory. Yeah, I remember you went to that Pan American Games in South yeah. America. Yes, I did, Matt. Yes, I did. Congratulations on your gold, too. <laughs> so uh, how, how were you able to compete globally in the decathlon to get an accounting degree? It's not like you got an easy degree to work at College Works. How were you able to manage your time and do all that stuff while you were in college? One of the things that um, the NCAA kind of does classes on for athletes is just time management in general. And so they always give you kind of the paperback book that has, you know, you can write in all your stuff, your schedule, your, your, you know, your classes and stuff. And so that was kind of where that started a little bit. And I, I kind of took that and transferred that into like my Google calendar on my phone. And that was huge. I, uh, you know, I'd always seen these people and I, and I was kind of one in college, I'd see all these successful people and I would, you know, see what they've done. I'm like, man, dude, they, they're doing all of these crazy things and they have the same 24 hours in a day as I do. You know, what, what keeps me from being able to do all of that. And so that was always kind of a time management thing as well. And so, uh, I, I've, whenever I finally sat down, you know, and took all of my syllabi for my classes, I put in, you know, the class times weekly, you know, anytime I had a test, an assignment due, um, you know, track practice, you know, once I got involved with college works, my, my college work schedule, you know, clubs, I was also in a fraternity. I mean, just once I actually put like all the time in there, I mean, I had slots for literally getting a bite to eat and, and changing clothes to go to track practice. I mean, every 10 minutes of my day had something where I could see my phone and I could have it scheduled. And that, that helped to create a lot less stress in my life because, you know, I already had it planned out in there ahead of time. And so once my phone dinged and it was time for this, that was where a hundred percent of my effort was going into until the next thing happened. And so it helped me to not be jumping from compartment to compartment in my mind, like, Oh crap, do I have a test tonight? Or, Oh shoot, do I, you know, have to call these clients or, you know, when is, you know, practice time today start? What events am I doing today? And it was all pre-planned in there. And so I just, I had a lot less worry and then stress just because of that. And so I think that that was one of the biggest things that helped me to be able to do so much versus, you know, maybe your typical college student that, you know, so focused on classes and, and maybe some social aspects, but don't think they have time for anything else. Like when you put it in paper and you see all these gaps in your schedule all day long, like, holy crap, there, there's so much time in a day to do stuff. Like even if you're doing a college sport or something else. So I think that was the biggest thing that really helped me out to be successful in you know, the things I was doing. Yeah, one of our podcasts is on just time management. And in it, I talk about you got to commit. You just got to give it up. You're not so cool anymore that you're going to be spontaneous all the time. <laughs> sure. You've got to be dorky and write it down. And if yep. you're dorky and you write it down, you're actually cooler because you get to do more stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so every 10 minutes is a bit extreme. I recommend every 30 minutes, but sure. hey. I wasn't doing a global sport and traveling all over the place <laughs> and doing college works and had another job and, 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 right? <laughs> wow. All right. So you wanted to go into sports or the music business and interesting, you could be an accountant in sports. You could be the, the accountant for a team or for a league. You could be an accountant in the music business for, for a recording company, for a distribution company, mm -hmm. for a musician. Uh, but you are not an accountant in any of those, uh, in either of those industries. Well, maybe you are. You work, work for one of the biggest, one of the big four. Uh, what rank is Deloitte in the accounting world? I believe they're number one right now, still globally. 
you work for the number one accounting firm in the world. Um, do you ever interact with the uh, sports businesses or music in your accounting? I, I don't actually. I have some friends that do work on some sports teams, um, but uh, but yeah, we don't obviously we don't do anything with any sports in Kansas City. And so I have some Chicago friends that will help with like some of the Chicago teams, but no, not, nothing music or sports related so far. So uh, you're you're heading into the sports business. You're heading into the music business. You take a detour into the accounting business. Well, why don't we just deal with the accounting business? So cut, let's start again. You take a detour into the accounting business. Why don't we talk real quick about exactly what you do? You know, investment banking, people don't really understand. Uh, when people talk about real estate, they talk about residential. They don't understand all the, all the other elements of real estate. So maybe on a daily basis, um, briefly, what does a, a big four accountant do? What are your daily, you know, jobs? What skills are needed? Sure. And, and within accounting in general, I mean, there's so many different routes that you can take, um, different things that you can work on service line wise. And so what I specifically do is I actually work in income franchise taxes and I, I work mostly in like the corporate sector. So I have lots of corporate, corporate clients, partnerships, S corps. I mean, fiduciaries, you name it, lots of, lots of businesses that I work for and, and larger ones. Cause I, I mostly specialize in state, state and local income taxes as well. And so, so what I'll usually do, um, you know, on a daily basis, you know, I have my clients that, you know, that are just typical taxes. They'll extend, they'll extend their taxes in the, in the spring, they'll do their taxes in the fall. And I will not only help to, to get those, you know, tax returns done from, you know, uh, state, um, you know, sometimes helping on federal taxes as well, but, you know, helping to look at their footprint. So if they're, you know, a business that's in multiple, multiple states in the U S then I get to look at, you know, how can we you know, how can we help them lower their liability taxes wise in different states to cut down on that total, but then also look at, you know, their international workings as well. If they have international properties of their business and how that affects, you know, state taxes, you know, state statutes and laws. And so, so it's a lot of, you know, different things. I'll, I'll, you know, have some projects where I'm researching. Sometimes I'll have sales tax projects where, you know, say a trucking company, for instance, go in and help kind of do an audit of all of their stuff and figure out, you know, Hey, where are you paying? taxes to that you shouldn't. And so just many things along those lines. But, um, you know, now as a, in my senior role, you know, I, you know, I'll help train up staff to help them prepare some tax returns. I'll, I'll help to review them before I send it to the next level for your just basic taxes and stuff. But, but yeah, that's kind of where I, you know, mostly reside in is that, is that uh, income franchise tax realm. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. 
Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now back to the show. So what skill sets do you use beyond the number crunching, Excel filling? Mm-hmm. I know you need to be good at accounting. I know you need to be good at math. I know you need to have the degree. What skill sets do you use? And maybe what skill sets are you surprised you're having to use? Right. So um, I think that uh, some of the skill sets from just, which is kind of surprising because accounting is a tech, is a pretty technical skill. And I think a lot of people get stuck with like, you know, if I'm doing a specific business, whether I'm, you know, going to be going into the veterinary, you know, school, or I'm going to go into music school or, or accounting or whatever, like, you know, you, yes, you have to be good at those technical skills and college will give you a basis for that. But I think having an overall, you know, big picture idea of just how businesses work in general has really helped me. And I think just from my college work experience, I use a ton of my soft skills, interpersonal skills. Um, I, I actually get opportunities to, to talk and deal with clients, um, which isn't always usual at someone at my level, especially early on when I was a staff, but, you know, getting to have those interactions and just kind of think from a big picture, like, you know, a lot of people will get stuck on being, you know, very good at their technical skill, but then, you know, I've gotten to use, you know, the like budgeting, like looking at, you know, a budget and figuring out, you know, where are we over in hours? How can we stay on budget for this project? When that's usually more of a, a higher up role, I've, I've been able to help with that a little bit, just given experience in running a business before. You know, I, I will help getting to talk with our, our partners at bringing ideas to the table for, you know, different, you know, ideas of, you know, hey, is there an incentive or is there a credit or something that we can help with this client specifically? Or, you know, hey, going above and beyond and researching something and just knowing like, hey, how can we help these people? Just that overall bigger picture mindset has, has really helped me a lot more um, than I thought that it would in the accounting realm where I kind of thought like, okay, you know, be really good at accounting, you know, know your stuff and, and taxes and whatnot. And then, you know, that's where you go and you'll build from there. So just being able to think more like a manager has, has really helped me in, in, in this role more so than maybe your typical accountant. So uh, you've got maybe a little bit more of a customer centric attitude. So it's more than just uh uh, crunching numbers. There's the processing of information and that customer centric attitude where you've got to figure out what information do I have that the customer needs? What information, uh, what idea do I have that the customer is not listening to that they need to listen to that will help them out and save them money? So you said that a lot of times in the, the low-level accounting jobs, you're not interacting, you're not sharing your ideas, and you move up to senior and on and on and on. What was it about you that got you the position of moving up? Why were you the one that got the promotion and not someone else, do you think? You know, I, I think just some of those, you know, some of those skill sets like we talked about, um, you know, being, being open to, to share ideas, not being afraid to be bold and, and, you know, ask why things are happening. I think that some people don't want to ask questions sometimes too. And I maybe ask too many questions <laughs> at times I feel just figuring out, you know, what, what can I do better? And so I, I think that that's a big thing of just constantly wanting to better yourself, um, asking those questions and then being able to, you know, not, you know, just be able to do what you're doing from a surface, but understand everything that you're doing. I think that that helps to show to your superiors that you can, you know, transfer those skills to different clients and not just be looking at what you did prior year and what you can look at 
the current year and say, you know, Hey, what's different about this year that wasn't last year. And like, what do we have versus trying to just throw stuff up to have be reviewed that looks like last year when there's, you know, lots of things changing, like with our tax code and, and everything else that's happening. So just applying knowledge and, and, and being able to, you know, understand what you're doing and how it affects your clients versus just doing the basis of I'm going to prepare a tax return, I'm going to send it on and then, you know, move to the next thing and not really care too much to understand it from a whole. So, so, uh, how has where you've ended up here? You're at the, you're, you're in the big four, you're in the biggest one of the big four, you've got the senior title, you're super young. How has where you've ended up now or so far in life surprised you and what's different than what you expected? <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, when people think of, uh, of accounting in general, uh, I think the, the general census is usually someone that's reserved, doesn't really, you know, talk a lot, like, you know, there's plenty of stereotypes out there. And so I, I think that I, sometimes I surprise myself from like being, you know, obviously with college works or having done sales and different things, like going into more of a corporate job. I don't know that I would have ever imagined jumping into a corporate job when I was growing up, but it was just one of those things where accounting was becoming an opportunity to go into a career field. And when I was looking at jobs, I was like, all right, I, you know, I want to be the best that I can be. I want to work for the best and be around the best. And that was kind of where Deloitte jumped in and they, uh, they don't recruit at Emporia state. So I had to kind of network my way to, to get into a position with, with Deloitte and opportunity, but, um, but it happened. And, and so, yeah, so corporate job, like I said, I don't think that I ever imagined that happening, but um, I think it's provided a lot of, a lot of open doors for other opportunities for jobs as well. And, and there's lots of good skills from it um, in general, because like you said, accounting, can be used in pretty much any industry, any business. And so just having some of those tools to, to, you know, get initially in your career, I think is helpful because you can transfer and and pretty much move wherever you'd like to go. Once you have some of the experiences working for a big four and stuff, if you decide that you don't want to stay with the big four, um, you know, the rest of your career. So that was kind of surprising, you know, and yeah, I, you know, I'm mostly on a computer a lot. Um, you know, with COVID I I work well and, and moving away from Kansas city, I work remotely most of the time now and I'll jump between Denver and Kansas city for work every once in a while. But, but yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things where it's just kind of happened. And I don't know that I would have ever, you know, thought that I would be working at a computer all day, but at the same time, you know, it's just, it's, it's worked out so far and, uh, and I've enjoyed what I've done. So, those are probably some of the surprising things. Yeah, we all work in front of a computer all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what everybody does nowadays. Sure. So you obviously were on the edge of excellence in college um, because you don't go get the job from the company that doesn't recruit at your school unless you know you're teetering on that edge of excellence about to fall off. So when did you discover you were on the edge of excellence and how does taking others along with you and tackling adversity from your definition of excellence apply to you teetering over that edge? Right. I think one of the biggest things that may have just happened without me knowing um, was just the people that I was surrounded around. I think that um, you know a lot of people become a product of their environment. And so just being around, you know, high level athletes that really want to be better, a great coaching staff at Emporia state. I think just from the sports career, I had a lot of people that really wanted to be excellent in their sport, you know, being involved with college works through most of my entire undergraduate 
time at Emporia State, I think being around those people, you know, that mindset of people that also wanted to be better for themselves, whether it was in a career field and business, I think that that was helpful as well. Um, you know, some of the different clubs, you know, I just think that that was one of the big things that helped me to stay course for being what I would have considered excellence at that time, just being around those like-minded individuals that did really want to be the best that they could be and wherever they were at. So I think that that, that helped quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it just always kept me wanting, you know, the things that were maybe unattainable for, for certain people. And so that was, you know, the same thing with Deloitte. I knew that they were, you know, one of the best public services firms in the world. And, and whenever they talked about public accounting in our accounting classes, I was like, man, I think it would be really cool to get experience at a big four. And, and, you know, none of them really recruited our schools or maybe one or two did, but you know, what, how, how can I get this job? And, you know, then another thing I figured out that we had an alumni or two that were from Emporia state that were bigger head honchos at in Deloitte. And so, you know, I, whenever they'd come down for accounting get togethers or whatever, I would make it, you know, a, an, a plan to go and talk with them and network and stuff. And, and, uh, really anything that went on in college, like if we had events for sports or, or business or whatever, like I was, always one of the last ones to leave. So I think that, you know, networking was also helped me to stay on that, on that edge of excellence and, and try to teeter over. I mean, I was like borderline getting kicked out because the event was over and they're trying to close down stuff. I mean, that was kind of the person that I was, I always wanted to, you know, be around and, and soak up, you know, any information that I could get about, you know, people that at least at my view were having excellent careers or excellent at their sport or whatnot. So I think, yeah, the, the networking and then the people that I surrounded myself with, I think that was kind of the big things that helped keep me on that edge of excellence and just wanting to stay that track versus, you know, complacency. So one of our other guests talks about uh, you are the sum of your five closest friends. Yep. And what, yeah. And maybe you heard it. Have you heard sure. that before? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. So I think about that all the time. What does that mean? Five closest friends. Well, it's not your five closest friends. It's the five people you spend the most time with outside of your family because right. they may not be friends. It may be the person in the office next to you. It may mm -hmm. be the roommate you have yeah, who may not be a friend. Okay, so I'm the sum of my five closest people. What does that mean? And as you're talking, bigger dreams. Do your friends have bigger dreams than you or are you lifting them up all by yourself? don't give up. Are your friends setting the example? You know, you didn't go to Emporia. You went to Emporia State. I go to Emporia State. These companies don't recruit here. You got it done. Maybe you wouldn't have thought it was possible. And I mean, I know you're a big dreamer and I know you dream big, but it's so much easier to know what dreams you can have if other people are having them around you. So you surrounded yourself with these like people that had these huge dreams and didn't give up and found out how, and you ended up getting a job from a company that doesn't even come recruit at your school. I think that's great. So if you were looking back and you're sitting there in college and all of a sudden out of the blue comes older Payson, uh, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Um, you know, I think that in this day and age, as, as big as social media is, and it, and it wasn't, as blown up as it was, you know, back when I was obviously younger. I mean, it's obvious, I mean, it's a, you know, the big, biggest part of, you know, young kids' lives nowadays, more so than, than myself. But, you know, I would just say, you know, don't, don't get stuck on comparing yourself to others as much, you know, be the best that you can be 
And I, I did that quite a bit. I did compare myself to other people like, oh, why can't I be as fast as this guy? Or why can't you know I be as good at this skill as this person? But you know, you can you can work hard to achieve some of those things, but in the end, like you are your own person. And so I think that, you know, not comparing yourself is big that I would have told myself, you know, the positive mindset and adversity, knowing some of those ideas now, like if I could have told myself back then to like, you know, I, I always was pretty positive when things happen, but just knowing how to, you know, really capitalize on those adversities if they ever have, like when they happen and such, like, I think that I, I think I would have, I could have done even better, um, whether it was in sports, you know, I, I suffered a couple big injuries. I, I, you know, I was in school for six years. I did a two-year graduate program, a four-year undergrad. Um, I competed all six of those years. I had, to, I took two red shirts, the, the regular red shirt and a medical red shirt. Cause I had two, uh, season ending injuries. And, um, I was, you know, after those injuries happened, I mean, I, I was, you know, I wouldn't lie. I was depressed. I, I was, you know, sad that that happened. And, and that really took a toll on my, you know, athletic career. And, and I didn't, you know, I think that I could have done a better job of, of bouncing back from that. Um, I had a foot surgery and like a hip abdomen surgery. Um, and so, uh, which happened back to back years. So my sixth year that I was in school was when, you know, I did my last year at the decathlon, which just didn't amount to a ton. I just didn't quite get back to, you know, where I, where I was before. And so, um, you know, I think that knowing some of those skills, I would have maybe taken a different route, like how to, you know, get myself through mentally through that and, and just, you know, being the best that I can be. But, you know, I, I think that maybe the last thing is, you know, from a social media standpoint, that's, you know, being careful of what you put on social media, everybody's watching. I don't think it's a bad thing to build a following, especially in this day and age and how everybody is on social media and with COVID, like everybody's remote too. So I don't think that that's a bad thing, but I think being authentic and, and staying true to yourself is super important because, you know, people can put up, you know, a fake image of themselves online or a fake persona. And, and then they decide that that's kind of how they want to try to live themselves. And that's not truly them. And I think that that can also take a big toll on your mental health. And so I think just, you know, yes, it's, you know, good to build a social media following, but at the same time, you know, be authentic, you know, be, be you don't, don't compare yourself to others. And so those are probably the biggest things I think that I would have, you know, knowing what I do now would have told myself back then to add to what I kind of had naturally. So that brings a lot of clarity to your definition of excellence. So your definition of excellence is more lifelong excellence. It's not a moment in time. Right. Always being excellent. So always being excellent, you're going to deal with adversity. Always being excellent, you're going to have the opportunity to lift others with you. Right. So you're not excellent in your job or excellent at work or, or sorry, at home or an excellent dad or mother. It's always being excellent. And your definition of excellent has a excellence has a lot to do with your personal history. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, the, the, how you tackle adversity now makes sense because if it's lifelong, excellent excellence, if it's always being excellent, then everything that happens um, throughout life is not going to be great. And you're going to have to tackle adversity. And so obviously some of your, your decathlon experience has affected you, right? You could tell the two red shirts. Sure. Would you take it back? Would you take the injury back? Or are you glad you had the injury and, and almost lost your sport? You know, I mean, 
you can't change the past. So I think that, you know, I think that it's taught me a lot of things on moving forward. Um, you know, you always have that idea in the back of your head, like, oh man, what would, what would have been like to not get injured? But, you know, I think that, you know, the path that I've taken so far in life, you know, and having, you know, a beautiful wife, having a beautiful baby, like being where we're at close to family. I have a lot of blessings now where I'm at in life. And so, you know, I don't, think that I would go back and change anything or, you know, because, you know, I, I want to continue to be excellent in the aspects of my life, be a better husband. Uh, you know, like you said, be a better father, you know, be good at my job. And so it's just, you know, not necessarily focusing too much on what I could change, but just how to keep moving forward and, and staying in the present. Eventually I got to the point where I looked at adversity, not as adversity. I would just realize, okay, this is the next thing to learn from. Yep. And a lot of my Eastern philosophy, the Vedanta books I read, the, sure. the books on the Dalai Lama, I'm sure a lot of the Western philosophy and religious books I've read and you've read have really helped, but you don't know what good is unless you experience bad. Right. And at the time, and I remember it's been a long time, there was some sort of a injury that happened that took you out for the whole year and you thought was going to take you out for your whole career, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the big foot surgery I had. Yeah. And at the time, did you know that that was an awesome thing for you in the long run? Or was it not <laughs> feeling that way? No, no, it was definitely not feeling that way. I, I questioned a lot of things. Um, when I was at that point in my life, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to move forward. I didn't know if I was going to get my, you know, career, you know, my, my getting to compete in athletics again, you know, I, I just there's a lot of uncertainty. So no, yeah, it was not an easy time. <laughs> Yeah. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yes, he does. You're a better man because of breaking your foot and, and, uh, <laughs> and losing your track career uh, for a moment. I know you came back. You're a better man for, for all the horrible things that have happened. And if those things hadn't happened, you don't think you would be excellent, maybe not even an excellent accountant. You know, life would be, it would be different. You know, I don't know where excellence, you know, and the strive to be excellent would take me from that point if that would have changed. But, you know, yeah, I think that it did help me to, to come to see a lot of things, um, you know, after that happened, um, as well. I, uh, and then, yeah, one of the, one of the biggest things that I got involved with too, after my collegiate career, when I moved to Kansas city, um, was a group called uh, Christian businessmen's connection. And so they're kind of, uh, you know, a big U S kind of company and, and they just have, you know, Bible studies with, with, faith, uh, like-minded faith, uh, Christian businessmen and stuff. And so it was kind of a cool thing to help to see some of those things, because I, I still wouldn't say that I was where I was at, you know, right after college, like just, you know, always striving to be excellent. Cause I had a lot of questions, you know, about career and, and about, you know, my loss of the track time and, and stuff. But I just think that, that from that point on and moving forward and just being a little bit more deeper in my faith, just understanding that like, you know, yeah, everything, everything does happen for a reason there. There's a, something to learn from everything. There's hope that things, you know, will get better. And, and that's kind of, you know, how it really helped me to continue to position myself better as I continued life. And it seems like a lot of people I talk to, including you, they keep dumping more on their plate and keep pushing themselves more. And you dump more on your plate, you get more success, you get more adversity, you get mm -hmm. more experience. And according to your definition, you get closer to excellence. And there's other people around you all the time. You surround yourself with people that are lifting you up, not dragging you down, but they're benefiting from your experience and they're benefiting from watching you deal with adversity. So they're becoming more and more excellent. 
Interesting. Interesting. Well, Payson, I really appreciate the conversation today. My favorite part about it is we didn't really talk about college works at all. <laughs> um, and this is not supposed to be about college works, but it's supposed to be about becoming excellent. And I like it when there's people that didn't do college works, but I especially like it when people come in and talk about things outside of college works while they were doing college works. You definitely have always been someone with many roads. You were traveling simultaneously and always have been someone that figures out ways around roadblocks. You know, they don't recruit at your school. Who cares? You're in a sport doing an internship. That's probably the most demanding internship I've ever heard of mm-hmm. and studying accounting. Who cares? Who cares how hard it is? Let's just get it done. I love that you drag other people with you. Um, it's one thing to lift yourself up. That's not excellent. If you're lifting others up with you at the same time, how much more excellent is that? So I really appreciate your time today. Um, I, I'm really happy to see you on Zoom with your Deloitte background there and having <laughs> such success. I meet so many people that want to um, follow your path and ask me how. So I really appreciate that you've done this for us today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Awesome. You too, Matt. Thanks again for having me. This was great. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.